Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Well, I have had a, a week of reunions. That's what I'll say, reunions. I had a great Zoom catch up with our dear, dear friends, Rick and Laura Hall in Los Angeles. And I have to say, seeing those folks, even on Zoom, fills up my heart. They're just so caring and kind that that kind of um, kindness kind of goes through a Zoom call. We just miss them so much. And uh, when we first moved to Los Angeles, we moved in with them for two weeks, which turned into two months. And they were the most gracious hosts. I just became family, like overnight, to the point that I know in the future I'll be inviting myself over for their Thanksgiving. And I don't think they'll hesitate in saying, come. Boy, I'm going to have to check in with them. But I have a feeling that if we turn up with some sort of casserole, and that's our jam, or jam, and that's our casserole, then it'll be fine. Anyway, big shout out to Rick and Laura Hall. You can catch Laura Hall's uh, episode with me in the past because we actually sat down while I was in Los Angeles and had a great chat. Laura is the music director on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And Rick is a phenomenal improviser. Funny, funny man. Um, but yeah, you know, those kind of reunions just, just fill my heart. Speaking of heartfelt reunions, I had my family here from Israel and I loved it so much because I was able to see Toronto through visitors' eyes. Do you ever do that? Like we took them to the CN Tower and the aquarium and we did like a, a wine tour and I never do that kind of stuff by myself. It was just so, so lovely and the weather was beautiful and just hanging out with family is just the best thing for my heart right now. So those are my friend, family, heart-filling reunions that I've had this week. How has your week been? Have you had some of those? I know that the world is opening up a little bit more now with COVID restrictions being removed. And so people are able to go to restaurants and hang out more. And what kind of reunions have you had? I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a line, firecrackerdepartment.com or firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. And I would love to hear all about what kind of reunions you're having with your friends and family. Speaking of friends, oh my gosh, our guest on the show this week is Los Angeles-based actor, writer, and the co-host of the podcast, The Scroll Down. Do you need a hint? It rhymes with Picole Merman. It's Nicole Thurman. It's Nicole Thurman. Oh, I just adore Nicole. Now, Nicole's co-host is Marcella Arguello on The Scroll Down. And let me tell you how amazing this podcast is. They talk about all things social media, unpacking the vibes and juicy topics from the week. And they dissect the main characters while cracking a few jokes in between. Because who's kidding who? Because it's Nicole Thurman. So that's how it's got to be. And I just love Nicole. Uh, she's easily one of the funniest people I know. And we knew each other from doing corporate gigs through Second City. And anytime I got to work on a corporate gig where Nicole turned up, I was like, woohoo, good times. Nicole is also the voice of Jabberwa, Squidly D, and Dee Dee Sykes in the fun, fun, super fun HBO Max animated series Jellystone. You can catch Nicole in Netflix Grace and Frankie, NBC's Keenan. NBC's Indebted, Netflix's Desperados. She was also on HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show, Shrill. Oh, I loved her on Shrill so much, which is on Hulu, and Superstore on NBC. And by the way, we get into this. We chat about how a little known actor, you might have heard of her, Jane Fonda, what she thought about her performance on Grace and Frankie. Oh, it's a fantastic story. I just love those kind of behind the scenes insights. Oh, and wait, let me also tell you this. She was a correspondent on Comedy Central's The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. 
Anytime Nicole pops up, whether it's on Instagram or on my TV, I just know I'm going to have a giggle. I know it. She's just funny. That's it. Bottom line, fun me. When Nicole's not too busy acting, she has also written for the 72nd Primetime Emmy Awards hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, AMC's Sherman Showcase and Hot Dog on HBO Max, Fox's Let's Be Real, and the upcoming Peacock show Baking It. Ugh, so much. I love speaking to comedians and writers that find time for both of those artistic endeavors, and that's Nicole all over the place. I am so jazzed to share with you my chat with Nicole Thurman. So let's get to it, Naomi. I know that's what you're saying, because I'm saying it to myself. All right, here we go. My friend, Nicole Thurman. It's Nicole Thurman. Hi. Hi, buddy. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Oh, it's great to see you. You too. Who's kidding who? Podcasts are just to hang out with like people you like. That's right. I know, right? That's right? the best part of it. It's just to get to catch up with At people and say, hey. <laughs> I mean, just kind of knowing you as much as I do, I feel like you are always... I don't want to call it hustling, but I feel like you're always creating. I feel like your creative brain is always charged. Thank is that you. true? I, I think so. I think, honestly, the last couple months, maybe the last few months, it's been less so. And I was even thinking that this morning I was watching someone's video on like Instagram and I was like, damn, like I really need to start making videos again, but I just don't feel it. I have to really feel it. And yeah. so sometimes I'll go through spurts, especially, I mean, with Twitter and Instagram, as far as like creative social media wise goes, I will go through spurts where I feel really jazzed and super on. And then other spurts where I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll just go outside and go on a walk. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I feel creative most of the time just out of pure boredom. But then sometimes when I'm just trying to live my life, I kind of try to step away from it as much as I can. Yeah. It's a funny thing though, isn't it? Just like, I feel like with ah, social media, there's sometimes that I'm like, oh, I really love it. Like I did this whole Instagram thing during the pandemic where I just went on walks and I would take pictures because it kind of helped me. A, it helped me to get out of the house and B, it helped me to sort of engage with my surroundings. Yeah. But then when I started doing it, I kind of felt like an obligation to social media about it and it stopped being fun. Does yeah. that happen with you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, 100%. I had a lot of also during the pandemic, a lot of like, on Instagram in particular, success, quote unquote, with um, so I got a bunch of followers from a viral Instagram post, which was already like, Oh, y'all got y'all not gonna want to be here. But thank you for being here, you know, and then um, I started to <laughs> I started doing this Wait, thing. Who was the crowd? Who was the crowd? That I don't know. To be to honest, it was a, it was a, it was a bunch of people. It was like, I mean, like no joke, 6,000 people followed me off no. of this one post that was about fashion no. and diversity and just kind of mocking the fashion industry. It was a really simple, it was a tweet, but I posted yeah. a picture of the tweet on Instagram and it just went crazy. It was the first viral Instagram post I've ever had. I do not recommend it. Instagram has a lot of bullies. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah. it was, uh, yeah. so I got a bunch of followers from that and then I started, so they already were there for, you know, I'm not a fashion, I don't critique fashion for a living. You know, I'm an actor, I'm right. me, so I'm not going to post more about fashion. So it was already like, Ooh. and then it was, you know, I post tweets and things so people were laughing, but then it was also like this, uh, hot people competition, goofy thing that I started doing. Oh on yeah, my yeah. stories which was fun yeah. it, it came about very organically 
not even trying to like make it a thing. And then uh, people like, they liked it so much. And it was like, literally it came about because I was like saying that Jude Law was hot in a picture, but Matt Damon was also in the picture and everybody was like, no, Matt Damon's hotter. And I was like, what? So then I started having people vote on who's hotter in what pictures and what time periods right. of their life were they the hottest. And then anyway, it became this thing where if it, it still is this thing where if I don't do it or if I post ask me anything or like question type things, people are always like, when are you going to bring the hot people competition back? When are you going to bring the hot people competition back? And then I would also That's go on podcasts point. and people were like, yeah. you know, your Instagram is so good. You do that hot people competition. And I was like, bro, like this is not, I'm not like a meme page. You. I'm not yeah a game page. I'm literally an actor who likes pretty pictures and herself. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I want to post. <laughs> yeah, but it's so like not it's I mean, speaking of I, I kind of hate the word but branding like it that is so far from the world of like, you know, polit political activism and comedic activism that I think you do. And yeah. suddenly you're like, get this woman on the show because she's going to speak speak about what's hot and what's not. Like, yeah, who, it's who really, that? it's really hard. The whole concept of viral or popularity. I mean, I'm sure every famous person has the same thing. Were you a rom like Matt, Matthew McConaughey in rom-coms? It's the same kind of thing where it's like all of a sudden you do something popular that everybody loves and they're like, do the thing over and over yeah. again until yeah. you die. And it's like, that was not, that's not my intention. You know, like yeah. that's absolutely not my intention. So I'll just lose followers. It's, it's kind of just what it is because I know the way, like now I know the way to get uh, a lot of followers, but I just can't, I can't really do things on command like that, especially cause I, you know, I went through a period where I was kind of depressed. Then I went through a period yeah. where I was very happy. And both of those periods, they don't, you know, work well with social media. <laughs> like when I'm depressed, I don't want to be online. When I'm super happy, I don't really care about the internet. I'm outside enjoying life, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what is that? Like, like, what is your drive with your creativity like I because I kind of see I mean the thing that you do on online I feel like uh is your voice is your voice comedically yeah. and even when you're posting about something like what's hot and what's not I still think you're doing it from a comedic standpoint like they think they just want your opinion about that but my my curiosity is what's what what drives you to post what's driving you to create I think what it was for me what started it because it, it when I started doing this stuff uh, I think it was like 2019. You know, I had been on the internet, but I had never been popular on the internet until 2019. What started it was pure boredom from not having a job. My show had gotten canceled like a year before and I was just like, I'm not working enough as an actor. I'm so bored. I need an outlet. But then it wasn't just that. It was interacting with other people. I guess I could be consider considered like a little bit of a judgy person, but it's not always judging. It's a lot of just noticing idiosyncrasies, irritating behaviors, little things that everybody notices, but nobody really calls out all the time. And mm -hmm. I think that is honestly, it's a weird thing, but it's like, I feel like that's kind of my point of view is, you know, when I, when I have a viral tweet, a lot of the responses are, I feel attacked. You know, people are joking. I feel attacked. Ha ha. That's me. Oh my God. That's me. Oh my God. That's my friend. Da da da. I feel like it's one of those, I I'm good at calling out the stupid, you know, annoying things that people do. And I feel right. like that's something that connects with people. And I've noticed that, you know, I can tweet all day about whatever, but like literally I tweeted something the other day about 
water and water bottles and yeah. I tweeted it in a way where I was like close up yeah because I was like I'm about I was about to say something like oh I'm so sick of this or I noticed this da 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 but instead I phrased it as once every three months somebody who doesn't drink water decides they want to drink water and they get one of those stupid fucking jugs they never drink the water and then you never see the bottle again it was something like that but phrasing it like that makes it go viral because it's like right everybody can relate if it's not coming directly from me if it's just an observation i make about humanity then people are like oh my coworker, i do yeah, that right. you know <laughs> yeah so i yeah. feel like but it became a lot doing of that. that back at second city like that's wasn't that the second city um route for you like when you were writing and things like that yeah i mean i it's it, it's interesting because i didn't write a ton at second city i was never on a stage um, so I never, cre I mean, I wrote some things for like shows that I would do in different cities. Like we did a show in DC. I wrote some material for that and things like that, but mm -hmm. I wasn't like a major writer until I did the opposition, uh, in 2017. But when I was at second city, I mean, yeah, you quickly learn what people respond to. I mean, yeah. it's their name, <laughs> you know, it's remembering yeah. three facts about them. You know, it's like, you know, it's like those things where it's like, it, 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 you can connect with them on something that everybody experiences and then the audience goes crazy because they see themselves reflected back on stage and yeah. so yeah yeah I do I do feel like that's something and it's like those little things like I like a specific the more specific it can get and the smaller it can get sometimes that can just make people lose their minds because they're like you know I noticed that too I didn't know anyone else noticed I mean I feel the same that's way when right. I'm looking at TikTok yeah. yeah when i'm on TikTok <laughs> yeah. and some like 17 year old is talking about some very specific problem and i'm like oh, other people have that problem too like it's cool yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and so with the opposition did you always have a political voice to speak from no and it's funny because i was actually scared when the opposition first started when i first got the job because i was like shoot i can write two pieces can I write pieces every day? I don't know. Can I do field pieces? I don't know. I mean, the answer for me was not really. I don't like doing field pieces, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but I, yeah, I had never been super political, but it was the same thing with that. Mm. It's like if you find it, you know, I was always so annoyed at Second City because a lot of times they would say they, they've said to me, I didn't have a point of view. And I was like, fuck you guys. But I, I kind of understand it now because it is truly like once you find your lane of the things that work that you can talk about, mm -hmm. you're going to be funnier. People are going to respond to you more. You're going to get the jobs because when I was at the opposition, you know, I'm not super political. I'm not super smart. If you ask me to talk about, <laughs> I don't know, anything that happened, I'm like, I'll talk about it in the way I can talk about it, which is, you know, maybe right. dancing around it, but kind of getting the point. <laughs> and so, you know, and so like with yeah. the opposition, that was the same thing was we were playing conservatives and I was like, oh my gosh, how do you play a conservative black woman on TV? Yeah. And then I, you know, I watched like some Diamond and Silk, some Candace Owens, but then I also just like thought about, <laughs> why would some a black woman go to a trump rally and so yeah. i wrote like a piece that was like a black woman at a trump rally and the reason she's there is because she gets attention you know and so it's like i had to figure out my in to mm -hmm. it and so that was kind of like my point of view of my character was kind of just like 
there purely for the attention and for the fun and for the party. And like, she liked Trump because he was a badass, strong, like take no shit, mean girl type. Like he liked, she liked that. And so anyway, you know, I still managed to be myself while talking about politics. And I still managed to find like my own lane, but be, but, but through the lens of politics. And I think it, that was what kind of carried me through the show. How did you get to the place that you were speaking from a place that made sense to you? Honestly, I think it's like stumbling around and then you find it because I'm, I'm biracial. So I'm black, white, and Jewish. And the Jewish black combo is very striking to people, right? So at a place like Second City, they want you to speak to that. And right. it's like, right. I mean, I don't walk in a room being like, you know, shalom, you know, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's, I'm not that kind right. of person. And that's not, that's not on the top of my right. list of identifying things for me or like what I think about on the daily. And so that was always tough for me because I felt like they wanted my point of view to be my uh, identity, like purely yeah. just like skin and religion. And I was yeah. like, well, that doesn't work for me. And so then I was like, I don't know what my POV is. I mean, I love talking about relationships because I have a lot of ridiculous experiences with relationships. Yeah. And so it's like, I think yeah. it's funny. Um, and I love talking about people, but I think I really stumbled into it. I think starting with the opposition was when it got the strongest was, or even before that a little bit, it's like, but it was like that where I stumbled into it, where I was kind of like, you know, making fun of something or making a funny video about like a personality quirk that somebody has. And then I realized like, oh, people are like really laughing at this and really responding to it. And so I think it was, it was a lot of stumbling into it, but then realizing like, this is my lane. You can feel it. You can feel it when you're in the right lane. And it was, it's the same thing that I think of with career. I think a lot of people spend a lot of time being like, I want to be an actor so I will be an actor or I will wait tables you know what I mean like right. they they, yeah. they they get really they get obsessed with it they get frustrated they fight the direction yeah. that the path is trying to take them and like mm-hmm. with me a lot of discovering my point of view has led to a lot of writing jobs which is, I never yeah. thought I would do but I know you never you, thought you'd write no, I mean, even, you know, until I was on the opposition, I was like, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. And even after the opposition, my manager was like, you can say you're a writer. You wrote on the opposition. And I was like, I don't know. You know, like, this seems like a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. But it was like, it's that thing of like, once you you can see the path and you can either choose to go down it and be successful, whatever that means, success is different for everybody. Or you can kind of fight it and and, you know, be like, you know, no, I'm just gonna, you know, talk about relationships or whatever it is. And like, you know, and then not ignore the, ignore what your POV obviously kind of is, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. (laughs) No, it does make sense. It's like, it feels like what you're talking about is sort of recognizing the flow of your career and of your life and embracing it. Like, is that sort of like, like, have you always been that kind of person that have been like, oh, this is where the world is taking me. I'm going to embrace it. Or have you been like, no, I want to go this way. I don't care where the flow is taking me. I've been, I was usually a no. I don't know why. My whole, my, my, I feel like my whole family is like that. And the more I go to therapy, the more I see it. And the more I'm like, I'm, let me try to help y'all because it's a right. lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier to not fight it. Because right. it's like you grow up I've and you're like, light. Yeah, you're like, I'm supposed to get married at 24. I'm supposed to have a kid by this age. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. And then it doesn't go like no one's life ever goes yeah. like that. 
if it does it's no. usually because they forced it and it's not right it doesn't feel right um but so i i had a therapist that like because i used to wake up a lot in a bad mood like wake up and be like you know did you ever see was it as good as it gets when diane keaton wakes up crying in like five scenes she's like <laughs> like in every oh. scene she's crying I love I love her so much. No, I don't know, but yeah. I'll find okay. the scene and I'll send it to you because it's really funny. Okay. It's like a montage. She goes through a breakup with Jack Nicholson and so she's like really sad. And so she's she like wakes up crying. She's cooking and she's crying. She's like opening the you know, refrigerator door and crying. Anyway, so yeah, I used to we've do all that. Gone I used through to, those. Yes, where you're just like, oh, those everything chapters. is wrong. Yeah. But I used to do that a lot more. I used to wake up and my, and my therapist would call it a moody morning. She'd be like, oh, you're having a moody morning. That's fine. Like, because I would wake up and automatically be in a bad mood. But then the problem was I would be mad at myself for waking up in a bad mood. And I would be right. upset and mad. And that makes it worse. That compounds mm -hmm. the drama of it all. Mm -hmm. And so my therapist was like, instead of saying no to those types of feelings and those types of days, just say yes. Like I'm right. having this kind of day. This is what's going on. And just literally her just saying, stop saying no, start saying yes to whatever's going on with you. It like changed so much of my life. Like right. it was crazy. And you're like, I'm an improviser. I should know that. I should know that. How did it change then when you started going, okay, yes to moody mornings? I truly barely ever wake up in a bad mood anymore. It's really weird. I mean, sure, maybe life got better. I don't know. But at the same time, I just feel like once I started being like, this is what it is, or like this person is, that's who they are. I'm not gonna, cause mm -hmm. I used to, I, I used to fight so hard. I'd be like, oh, this person is a trash can. Let me try to make them into a diamond or whatever it was. And it's like, right, that's not right, gonna freaking right. work, you mm -hmm. know? And it's not my job to do that for them. Like maybe someday they will be great, but they're not gonna be great with me, you know? Or like, I'm right. talking friends, I'm talking exes, I'm talking, um, you know, career, anything. It's like, I think once I, once I started saying yes to like even just being in a bad mood and like being like, it's okay that you are feeling whatever feeling you're feeling. Um, I started doing that with just more of life of being like, it's okay that this person is like this. It's okay that these jobs aren't working out right now. It's okay that this job is working out, you know, and I just kind of started going with it. And I really do think, cause I, I have so many friends that, you know, they're so mad that they're not acting and it's like, mm -hmm. so what? <laughs> There's a million jobs. We just got to find the one that works for you yeah. and stop fighting it, you know? Yeah, that yeah. seems real, real peaceful, a real peaceful place to live. Mm -hmm. But I mean, how, I'm like, not perfect. You know, I still have like, you know, I have my own problems, but it's like, I definitely feel like that's not as much of one anymore because I started being like, it's okay. Yeah. And it seems like a way healthier to, place to live. I just, how do you like balance it with drive, like with want? with desire to to create and things like that because you started as an actor because you want to perform you want to be the person so how do you balance it out going it's okay that i'm not that person right now well it's interesting because i feel like i balance it by like never not wanting to be an actor there's never a moment where i'm like well i give up you know or i'm just gonna stop trying or whatever i'll still go for it and i still feel like i deserve it and i still want it and i still try and like it's like one of those things where it's like it's never gonna that's never gonna leave and i don't think that i want it to ever leave like i i still have definitely that drive and so i i think it is it feels balanced because to, like I, I haven't been on camera in a long time and that's a weird yeah. crazy like i i thought about that like the other day and i was like holy shit like i haven't been on a tv show in a long time yeah like yeah that's or rare a stage for me 
yeah, or on stage, I haven't done, you know, I've done nothing. And so like, yeah. I thought about it and I was like, well, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, I've been doing voiceover, which is acting and it's been really satisfying. It's super fun and different for me, which was, it was also a goal of mine. Another goal of mine was to be able to go back and forth between writing and acting. Like when the acting work was slow, take writing jobs. And so like, shit, that's what I'm doing, you know? And like, mm -hmm. that's created a really nice stability for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, if my SAG insurance runs out, now I have WGA insurance because it's like, I've been working. And so it's like, I recognize, I think for me, it's like recognizing the benefits that the, the path that's revealing itself recognizing the benefits of that, but then never like losing sight of my main goal is to be on a damn TV show. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I was on the opposition and then I've gotten very, very close to booking a lot of big things and haven't gotten them. But like, that's, you know, that want hasn't gone away. I definitely still want it just as much, but I also know that I also really enjoy <laughs> like having money and like feeling yeah. stable with, with a writing job. So yeah, I have a feeling that's priorities. Like, I don't know that priorities are coming up so many times in my discussions these days about like how our priorities shifts. And there's a time, you know, in our 20s that the priority is to get on stage as much as possible. If you can do three shows in a night, that's your goal. Mm -hmm. And then things shift. You, you get into a relationship and you're like, actually, my goal is like to build this relationship and build what that is. Mm -hmm. And then it changes. So I, like, is it a time where you're like the stability um surpasses the blind drive of just becoming an actor i think i was also at a point where you know acting is a weird thing where it's like i love it but it also it also can make you like super insecure and super self-aware in a way that's unhealthy and yeah. neurotic and feeling I mean, a little bit unsafe for me personally and i've seen other actors from when i've been a writer on a show i've seen performers insecurity and that unsafe feeling that they have was that something you went through when you were like doing a regular tv gig uh yeah oh i was like a friggin mess when i was on the opposition because i had really bad imposter syndrome and yeah. like i said i was kind of scared of the political element of it all and it's also honestly to be honest just like hard to be like a black woman in comedy and pitching your ideas, you know, to white male writers yeah. who might not see your perspective, you know? You know what? I don't think people really understand it. And of course I can't really understand it because I'm not a black woman, but yeah. I do remember hearing somebody, um, I think they're on blackish or mm -hmm. they were in a writing room. They were all black women. Yeah. And she was like, suddenly I didn't have to explain my joke. I would say, this is funny. And all the black women around would be like, yes. Yeah. And you sort of take it for granted that we're speaking different languages and you shouldn't have to explain your jokes. Just trust me. I know where this is coming from. Just trust me. I know where this is coming from is like the theme of so much of, yeah, my time yeah. in comedy. Just trust me. And it's yeah. funny because my mom is white and I was talking to her last night and it was the same thing. I said, you have to just trust me when I say certain things because we've had different experiences yeah. in life. And I'm not saying this because I think sometimes she thinks I'm, you know, this is a little bit personal, I guess, but whatever. It's like, I think sometimes she thinks I might be making something up or like, or, you know, or just seeing things that aren't there. And I'm like, no, 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 right. you have to understand. I'm, these are experiences that I have that are different from yours. We have very different yeah. experiences, even though we both are women, you know? I think this yeah. is really interesting because I think we fight so hard to do the thing that lets us be creative. 
And suddenly we find ourselves in a place where it's got nothing to do with creativity and everything to do with how your hair looks. Yeah, it's yeah. a mind, it's a mind fuck because and it's literally it's yeah, because it's from the moment, like, you know, I'm tall, I'm five foot nine. Everybody else is fucking five, two, and three three pounds. <laughs> and I, and you know, so, and it's like, listen, I like myself. I don't care how tall I am, I don't care how, you know, whatever. But you know, you go into a fitting and sometimes you'll go into the yeah. fitting and they're like, you're just so tall. And it's like, uh-huh. And what else? You know what I mean? Like move on. Yeah. And you know, I haven't got, I've been lucky to not get a lot of like comments about my weight or height. I am lucky, but you know, I went to, this is like, sounds like a brag, but I went to Mexico to shoot a movie. It was fucking awesome. It was amazing. <laughs> and, it. but then when I was going to the fitting, they were like, you're just a big girl. You're so big. You're so tall. You're so big. You're so tall. And I was like, I know that you're saying this because you're like short, and I know that maybe there's like a little bit of like a, you know, language barrier. And so maybe you're like sounding more blunt than someone else would be. But it's like, damn, like, can you just stop saying this so I can just put on a damn dress and not feel weird in it? It's looks related for sure. It's that people are every between every scene, someone is coming up and touching you and messing with you because a little tiny thing is out of place or like the script supervisor is coming up and telling you like you twirled the pen this way and you have to twirl it like that every time. So then your brain starts being like, oh my God, I have to twirl it correctly while saying the exact lines because this show wants it to be word perfect. And then everybody's looking at you and you know how like, I mean, you know, but it's like they show bloopers on movies and TV shows and it always looks so fun to, to mm -hmm. but it's not fun it's, when you mess up. It's not fun. I mean, it depends on what the mess up is. And that's tough too, because it's like, sometimes you don't get the like freedom that you want, that you thought you were going to have on set to like play. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I, I haven't, cause you've, I, you've, I think you've had more like regular parts. I get more like guest star or recurring guest star where it's like, you're only there for a day or two, yes. maybe a week. And you, you usually have to pretty much play inside the lines, especially on certain shows where they want you to be word perfect. And I'm like, oh God, I'm an improviser. I don't do word perfect. So it's like that kind of stuff where it's just like, you get so much in your head. And like, yeah, like what I'm saying, like, is like you can mess up and you look over and the crew's just looking at you like, we're trying to go to lunch, you dumbass, right. just say the line. Right. And it's like your brain. So the opposition was hard in its own way because it was a lot of identity and me trying to like kind of convince people that what I say is, an, is a thing. <laughs> and yeah. if I talk or about like it. Fitting into, fitting into something that isn't really Nicole Thurman. Yeah, well, I feel like I was trying to talk a lot about like experiences, but obviously we had to do it in a satirical way, but it's like, I would try to talk about something or pitch an idea. And it was a lot of like, oh, I don't think that's a thing. And it's like, but it is. <laughs> and like, if I say it is, it is. And to me, I think a lot of times, you know, more interesting or controversial or whatever topics get skirted around because the head writer is a white man who doesn't know yep that if you talked about that, it would like, you know, the stuff that was most successful that I talked about on the opposition was almost always race related, came from a place of me really pitching it and really wanting to do it, not being, not it being given to me. And so, yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like, that was really tough for me because it was the first time I had to really advocate for myself or else I wasn't gonna be on TV. And right. that's a lot of work day in and day out. So yeah, I think it just, it, you get in your head a lot of like, then you start, mm -hmm. I started feeling like, I mean, this isn't true at all. It's not true at all because now from a writer's perspective, I know, but like I started thinking like, they all hate me and they don't want me to be on TV. And like, there's a lot of times where oh I'm, when God. I'm an actor, I think of that, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, 
I take things more personally. As a writer, if you don't like my joke, I don't give a damn. Like, you know, sometimes I'll give a damn, but for the most part, if I pitch something and you don't want it, that's fine. And it's like something about being on camera and trying to like, I don't know, advocate for your actual body, self, looks, voice, everything, that can be hard for me. It, it was yeah. starting to wear on me a little bit more and make me a little bit more yeah. like paranoid and not as able to like, just be good. Like I, sometimes I'll watch myself on a TV show and I'm like, I don't, I'm not even doing a good job. Cause I'm obviously nervous because I'm overthinking right. everything, you know? Yeah. Well, how do you get away from that then? How do you get, a, you know, they, people always say like, get out of your own way, but how do you like, when has there had been experience where you're like, Oh man, I feel like I arrived as myself. I performed as myself and I, I felt good. Have you felt that on set? I mean, yeah, definitely. I wish it didn't have to do with this, but unfortunately I do think a lot of times it has to do with the set that you're walking into and how welcome you feel as a guest, because sometimes being a guest star on shows is so hard because everybody on the show is there every day. You're there for one yeah. day to a week, you know, but it's like certain shows I've had really great experiences on because like, okay, I was on this show called indebted with like Fran Drescher was on it. She's like, Oh my, it was like, Oh my God. And then Adam yeah. Pally, Abby, uh, what is her, that she goes by now. She goes by Elliot, Abby Elliot, Abby Kennedy, Abby Elliot. I'm trying to think of everybody else, but there was, it was just like, they were the best cast ever. And like, mm -hmm. we walked, I, there was like a, four guest stars on it. We all worked together the whole week and they were all super welcoming. I'm still friends with all of them. Like, wow. we're, yeah. it was a really good group of people. And so I felt comfortable to just play and, and enjoy myself. And I felt like my choices were, you know, respected and welcomed yeah. and that was fun it was still a hard yeah. experience because it was a multicam and they cut your lines and change lines all the time and every time they cut a line you're like is it because i said it badly but it's like no it's because it's like the writers are writing shit you know they're writing it i know and we're just like we're just human like you know what i mean like we're just human beings that want to do our job well and i'm with you on like all those moments of doubt where you're like I just, you know, like we, it takes me back to preschool where I just want to be invited to the birthday parties. Yeah. I think it's that, I mean, that's why we mostly get into this line of work, right? Is because we like thrive off of like applause and like people telling us how pretty and fun and funny we were. And like yeah. when you're sometimes, sometimes as an actor, when you're on set, it's a machine. They're just trying to keep it moving. They're just yeah. trying to get the shot. The director, as much as like, they want the performance to be good. They also just want the camera to look good and your face to be in the camera, you know, in the frame. They don't necessarily, they're not necessarily like, it's not a play. It's not like they're working super deeply with you. And so like, it's so like when we're not hearing like, oh, that was great. Or like, oh, I loved that or blah, 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 whatever. I think you can get in your head of being like, oh, nobody's clapping for me and no one's telling me I'm pretty and fun. Like I must be trash. I keep saying trash, but it's true. Like you start to think like, but, am I trash? <laughs> you know? And so how do you like override that? Like, how do you, so that you can do your job? I think I'm still learning. I mean, honestly, it's like, I wish I, I could say like, oh, I, I figured it out, but it's like, like oh, I, really I went wish you to could tell me that too. I know. <laughs> well, it's like, it's interesting because it's like, I don't know. I think it's also honestly being a writer has helped me so much because I do think oh, when yeah. I go when I go back on set, I'm going to be like, oh, because truly I've been, you know, on a show where we were trying to get this 
person to say something and they were like, why would you make me say that? Why are you doing that? You know, like, what okay. are you trying to do to me? And it's like, absolutely nothing. We try to make the audience laugh. And they're going to laugh if you say that word and you think that we're trying to play you, but we're not, we're, it's going to look good. Just, you know, have to trust us. But anyways, what I'm saying from that is like, when you see it from the other side, it's literally like, no one wants you to fail. Everyone wants you to be great. And all they're doing when they're changing things around is trying to make you look better and the show look better. And I think like just knowing that will help me a lot. I hope I also think, I don't know, honestly, like, Cause when I was on, I was on Grace and Frankie and like, I was so nervous cause Jane Fonda is fucking scary. Right? I mean, she's amazing, Come on. but that's Jane Fonda. You know what I mean? Like my mom loves her. I loved her. Everybody loves her, yeah. you know? And Not so at to first- Not Tomlin, Jesus. Like yeah. what a, like I that's know. such, I mean, to go on to set and know that those are your scene partners, that's that you're going to have to check your ego real carefully on that day. Oh my God. And like Marta Kaufman, who created Friends, created Grace and Frankie. So she's like chilling there. And you're like, I'm fucking acting for the lady that created Friends. Like a whole experience yeah. is just so big. And so, yeah. but so I had a, like a moment where I was like, okay, let me take a Xanax <laughs> um, after like we shot the first scene because I was just scared. And like also, like they're word perfect on that show, which I didn't realize until we shot it. So it was another one. Word perfect is hard for me because I have my brain doesn't want to say the exact words that are written on the page. Even being a writer now, I like recognize the importance of the words on the page. It's like silly things, but it's like these things where I'm like, they're I not mean, being word perfect to test yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, no, gosh, I'm gonna really screw with Nicole and make her yeah. be word perfect. No, everybody wants you to succeed, but it is like, I don't know. I mean. I, I don't, I don't have any answers. That's the bottom line is, but I know that fear and I almost see it coming, you know, like when oh, I step yeah. on the set and I'll be like, keep it at bay. Just do your job. These are actors. They're creating. We're all at the same level. Yep. And then suddenly, I don't know, something happens in my brain that it just triggers like fear or like the, the possibility of judgment or the possibility yeah. of this being a really big opportunity that I'm going to screw up. Yep. I it's all know. of that. But it's because it's like your it's insecurity starts to get to you. Like your brain starts to turn on you is how I always, I always think of it as there's a voice in the back of my head that is very loud. And it's, I just have to like, yeah. be like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You're wrong. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, with Grace oh and Frankie, God. I went back to my trailer. I did take a Xanax. I'm not going to lie to you because I, I needed a little extra help. I like meditated, concentrated. I did like those power poses in the mirror. Like yeah. I was really yeah. doing all the things. And then yeah. I went back on set and this was ap apropos of nothing. Jane Fonda came up to me and was like, you, you are good. Points right in my face. And I was like, you are good. And I was like, see, that's the thing. <laughs> the whole time yeah. I was fine. You know what I mean? But it's like, we get in our own heads. And so it's like, I had to take that moment to concentrate and relax and do all of those things. But then to come back on set and know that she had been liking it. Any, everybody had been liking what I was doing anyway. Yeah. It's like, remember, like, they're there for you. They're you know, they want you to be good too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was that something like, you know, as you've gone through your career, is that something that has been ingrained in you of this kind of, um, I don't know, I keep using the word drive because I do feel like you're a really driven person. Like even when some people get bored, they're like, I'm going to binge watch something. And when you get bored, you're going to like, I'm going to create something. Mm -hmm. So where do you think, where do you think you learned that skill? I don't know. I remember my mom always being kind of a workaholic when we were younger. She's pretty chill now, but she worked a lot when we were younger. I've always been the type of person that like 
my personality is like, if I'm trying to put something together, but I can't figure it out, I will lose my mind until I figure it out. Like, I'm just like, I have, I can do this. I don't know why I can't do it right now, but I can do it. And so I kind of think I have a little bit of that personality with work too, where I'm like, Uh I can, I can figure this out. I can keep doing this if I just keep trying in different ways to figure out how to do it. And so I think it's hard for me to just give up on something, not to mention, I mean, you know, we get to the point in our lives where we don't have other skill sets. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, I got to figure it out because if I don't figure it out, I'm going to be on the street eating beans out of a can because, you know, I mean, what else are we going to do? So, but yeah, I mean, I have like, I do have a lot of drive. I have a weird it's a, my personality too is like, it's, it's funny. Cause I talk about this with my friend. My friend is always dating always. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you just go on a million dates and, you know, deal with all this like yeah. tra- like rejection and you know be- bad behavior and whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's just easy for me, but he's like, how do you go on so many auditions and deal with the same thing? Right. I'm like, I don't know. It's easy for me. Like, it's always been like, if you tell me no, or if I don't get something, I'm like, I'll get the next one. I got this. I got this. I can figure it out. Like mm-hmm. that kind of, so it's like, I never stop. I always I've always been like that. Even when I was younger, I was like, if you just keep running, it's a marathon. And if you keep running, you'll eventually get to the finish line. Other people will fall and other people will stop running. But if you just keep Mm -hmm. going, you'll finish it eventually. (laughs) I mean, that makes complete sense to me. But do you ever hit walls where you're like, I can't, I can't run today. Oh my God. Especially recently because the self-taping doing everything at home thing, it's killing me. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of those people that liked going into the room. Oh yeah. I liked going into the, it's funny too, because I actually used to love self-tapes. I mean, the way I booked the opposition was off of a self-tape. The way I booked shrill was off of a self-tape. Like the, you know, the, these cool jobs that I've had have been from self-tapes. So I used to be a real big self-tape advocate because I was like, you can be, you know, neurotic. You can make do 24 takes and, you know, make it perfect. And da, 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 da. you know, for me, it's like, I also record by myself. I do this thing where I like record my own voice on an app and then I read with myself sometimes most uh-huh. of the time and so it's like I don't have anybody giving me any feedback being like that was right. good but try this or you know like like how when you go into a casting office they will tell you like great we love that um let's do it one more time you know have fun with it or whatever they'll say yeah and so then you yeah. get to do it and you see their reaction and you see like okay I did a good job or like okay I'm not going to get this one but they like me and you can feel it you can feel an energy mm-hmm. Self-taping over the past year and a half, I mean, it sucked everything out of me. I mean, so I've been doing it and being kind of like a good little soldier and keeping up with it for like um, most of the pandemic. I booked one job. And so I was like, okay, like, oh, I booked two jobs off of a self-tape. So I was like, okay, things are happening a little bit. But so there's some feedback, but the lack of feedback from, you know, my reps, from casting, from everybody and not being in front of people, I just... I went on a vacation like in June and I told my reps, like, do not contact me for 10 days. Like, cause I was like, I'm not doing a damn thing for any of you. And like recently I did it again. And there's been a lot of moments where, I mean, I'll get tapes now. And if it's like a Friday and they give me like 10 pages to tape, I'm just like, no, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have my weekend. Long story short, I've hit a lot of walls recently and mm-hmm. it, I've been finding it hard to continue to want to be an on-camera actor, to be honest with you, because it's been really hard to like, yeah, keep up with that kind of, it's not art. It's not fun. It's not play. Mm -hmm. It's none of the things anymore. It's just technology in your house. (laughs) 
you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you started this, what was, what was your version of art that you wanted to create? I think for me, there's just this element of play Mm -hmm. to comedy that feels so satisfying. I know. I get it. And that's what I always say is, you know what I mean? It's just like play. Like I didn't go into acting as a comedian. I did not plan to perform at Second City. I did not plan to be a comedic actor. None of it. Really? That so surprises me. I know. It's really weird to think about now. No, like you just have it. Like comedy seems so instinctual to you. It was one of those things where the path revealed itself and the path was comedy. Yeah. And it was like, duh, Nicole, go down that path, you dumb idiot. Right? Like, that's what you do. <laughs> you know, you do yeah. it. Like do that. Probably. But yeah, I didn't start in that world. But being in the world obviously was a perfect fit for me, especially Second City where you can sing, you can play instruments. I do both of those things. Um, you know, you could just play. And then learning improv and just being able to do that. And I think that's the, the feeling. It's like that's it, that same feeling when you have like, your closest friends and you're laughing harder than you've ever laughed and it's like a real yeah. laugh and while you're laughing you kind of look at them and you're like I love you so much and I love yeah. this moment <laughs> you know like the yeah, best totally thing. and that's like when you're grooving with people but we're so a... addicted to that aren't oh, we yeah. because now like now that's all I want like even on zoom calls I'm like watching which box who's who what am I going to say that's going to make somebody smirk it's an addictive thing it really is the last show I wrote on was with Maya Rudolph, who's like my fucking everything. She's yes. like everything. Oh my God. For me. Yes. Um, she's biracial. She's fucking every, her career is everything. So, um, yeah. but it, what's funny about it is we were on a Zoom and it was like 12 people in the boxes and I was on mute and everybody was on mute and she was talking and she said something and I was like, you know, like silently laughing in my Zoom box. Yeah. And she was like, see, Nicole Thurman knows what I'm talking about. And I almost threw up because that's the first time I, she never talked to me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I know people in like Zoom when they're just like, like dead faced and they mm-hmm. think that like it doesn't, you don't need to put out anything if you're on a Zoom. I'm like, please give me something. Give me, give me a spark in your eye, yeah. a smirk on one side of your lips, anything. Yeah. See, it's like, yeah, we feed yeah. off of that. And even she feeds off of that. Like everybody, like we, totally. we love that. And so, yeah, there's that energy. I felt like that was my favorite part of creating was being, being yeah. able to collaborate with people and then just have those moments where you're literally just like riffing and playing. Yeah. And that's why I really want to be a regular on a show again, because it feels like it's a different feeling. Yeah, it feels like you're doing a troupe, right? You're a troupe, a sketch troupe. Yeah, you but can you get that in... same collaboration from your writing? career yes yes and that's why I've really enjoyed writing too like the last show I wrote on it was a what do they call it semi-scripted show I think it was like a reality type show but we we wrote a lot of it it's just like sitting in the room and like riffing with people that you genuinely enjoy I've been really lucky and so yeah that experience it's the same kind of experience of like you're just sitting around riffing improvising playing with people so I think that's why I also enjoy writing is like I like to collaborate with people I like to sometimes I mean I'm a very controlling person but I also like to sometimes just like sit back and be like mm-hmm. that joke was the shit that mm-hmm. has to be the joke yeah. you know like for me that's a big part of art is that sense of play the sense of um back and forth energy and like that's uh-huh. why things have been harder for me as far as being an actor lately because there's no back and forth energy none yeah no <laughs> You don't even like you're working off yourself and yeah. I'm sure you you're very complimentary to yourself, but at the same time, it's still very isolating. Yeah. And I'm not always, yeah. very, sometimes I'll get very in my own head and I'm like, I can't do this. Or like, it takes a million takes because I'm, you know, beating myself up, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's been tough. It's, you need to record tough. like 
another voiceover that is like, good job, Nicole, fuck you're funny. Oh my God, that was so good. Don't even do another take. Don't even bother, that was perfect. And then have that available. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> maybe I will like, do that. I, I mean, I'm that. just saying, because if I was, I mean, I, I can't, uh, I can't imagine doing self tapes just by myself with my yeah. own voice. Because I would not only be criticizing my performance, but then I'd be criticizing the reader's performance, which was also my performance. So I'd yeah. be like double whammy. So I don't know. I think that takes a, a pretty good ego on that. On that yeah, it's hard because it's like I live alone. I'm really bad at asking for help. And then honestly, sometimes when I ask for help, people don't want to help me. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, it's not that they don't want to, but maybe they can't. And so, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's hard for me. So I just do that like, naturally and it, like like i said it worked in the past with shrill i did the same thing where i taped my own voice and recorded my own voice yeah. and i got the part and it's like so when were i were you see nervous it work, for shrill i was nervous until i got to portland and went to the fitting because you know i played a stripper on shrill no i saw it yeah yeah i saw yeah. your scene and i wondered like because honestly like i, I remember like seeing your IMDb and it said like stripper and i was like oh man if i that takes that that'd take a lot for me to what would they put me in wardrobe wise yep. but then I saw the scene and I was like she's got this yeah there's not it an was, ounce of like a moment where I'm like oh no she's nervous that experience was crazy because I so I auditioned for the pilot of Shrill to play the best friend that Lolly I don't know how to say her last name she plays the best friend I auditioned for that part and when I auditioned for that pilot I was like I have to be on this show I was like I love it I just love the pilot it was the only one I auditioned for that I was like really excited about and I was just like this is so good and so then when I didn't get that I kept seeing like other friends getting cast on Trill and I would get like this like jealous like butterfly in my stomach of being like I want to be on that show so bad oh god I'm happy for them but I want to be there too and then when I I auditioned for another part and then I auditioned for the stripper and I was like I of course got the stripper part, of course. And I'm a very modest person. I had never even been to a strip club before I was working in one. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like, it was scary. Cause I was just like, what am I? Like I asked, you know, my reps before I, I sent the audition in and I was like, I have to be honest, like, what am I gonna, like, I'm scared. Like, what if I get this? What do I have to wear? And like, do I have any control over what I have to do and what I wear? And they were like, honestly, if you're a guest star, they're just gonna put you in clothes and you're just gonna do what they tell you to do. And I was like, well, that sounds terrifying. But then of course I got it. And of course I was like, well, I'm not gonna say no because I want to be on yeah. Trill. <laughs> But when I got to the fitting, what went before, right before I got there too, they were like, listen, it's a very like feminist set, like all women yeah. running it pretty much. And like women wrote it and they're not going to fuck with you. As soon as I got to, yeah, the fitting, you know, she was like handing me stuff that she's like, you wear whatever you want, but like, what do you feel comfortable in and what looks good? What do you, you know? So it was like that, as soon as I realized I could wear like kind of comfortable, normal-ish clothes, they were like sexy, but mm -hmm. not too crazy. I felt a lot more comfortable and like yeah. Carrie Brownstein directing it who's oh my gosh love her you know 80 and um all the people that were like working on it there were like two men on the crew and then like two men in the scene like it wasn't like a mm -hmm. you know and the set was mostly closed so it was like no you killed it yeah you thank killed you. it I felt really so good. That was another you, one where it was like being able to like yeah. play with that director she's really good at working with like actors yeah Anyway. But it's true. It's play like being like the art of play is something that is is, uh, I don't know, priority. Like if I find myself in a like creative situation, I'm like, there's no play here. Yeah. I, I find it really like against the flow of what we're supposed to be creating. So, yeah. I mean, I get that. Do you, yeah. do you play the game in your brain of like when I have my show, 
I'm not going to do this and I will do this. Yeah. I mean, I mostly think of it as like, if I'm on set with like, and there's like an actor who only talks to the other regulars. Cause there are, you know, there are actors that they only talk to their little cast members and they don't care about the guest cast, even though the guest cast are also in the scene and like, we also need to feel comfortable. And so like, but when I see an actor like that, I'm like, no way. Like Peter Gallagher is a fucking angel from Grace and Frankie. He's an angel and he's, I've never felt so welcomed by such a you know famous person. And so I was like, I, when I have my show, I want that kind of energy. I want to welcome people. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how tired you are or how many days you've been working. The people who are in the guest cast, they're just there for like a couple of days and they're feeling uncomfortable. So I want to make them feel good and have fun with them and encourage them to play and not like, you know, yeah. I had like an actor, you know, she would talk to the director about me and tell him to tell me to do things. I mean, she produced the show too. I don't know. She produced the show too. So she had a little bit of control, but it's like, she could have just talked to me, but instead she would talk to him about me, like right in front of me. And it was just like, yeah. well, you don't have to do that. Like, just be yeah. cool, man. You know, like I yeah. already feel weird enough and nervous enough. You don't need to mess with me like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I have to say though, I mean, you know, we've only worked together in like corporate second city world, but I remember doing that, this gig with you. I don't even remember, was it in like Florida or something like that? And I remember two things. I remember a, like you brought the funny, you brought play like instantly. I don't know what we were talking about, but I automatically knew that we were like riffing on stuff, which makes me feel like, oh, we've connected. Like if I can get, if we can get a common laugh, yeah, then I'm like, we're good. We're good yeah. for whatever is coming our way. And then I also remember you stepped up. We were, I don't know if you remember this, but you stepped up. There was something going on with like them saying, okay, this is what we want from you. And then it changed. Mm. And you were like, no, sir that'll cost you more. And we were all like, check you out. Like just that you were, had the fourth right. And I was so enamored and in awe of that. Cause I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Who cares? Like for me, but you're like, nope, that's more work. That's going to be more money. And you got us all more money. It yeah. was incredible. You're like this powerhouse. Yeah. There's something about like, I don't know when that happened. It's a very important thing to me to make sure that like, creativity is compensated and taken care Mm -hmm. of it's that shift also that people have from saying yes to everything to like saying no Mm -hmm. sometimes and like that's okay like you know I feel like when you first start out you're like yeah I'll take 10 bucks in a sandwich and I'll do every single job that's offered to me and it's like bro you're gonna end up with some shitty jobs and no money in your bank account if you do that yeah first of all if they say no fine if they say will only give you $100 instead of $200 more, you still get $100 more, you know? So it's like, you have to ask, like, I've also gotten about like that with just like my career now is like, if I do a guest starring part and I feel like they're offering me scale, I'm like, can you just ask for more money? Like, I don't even care if it is. Like the other day I got a voiceover job and you know, they like, I'll just number wise, they offered like $900 and I was like, that's too low. It doesn't make sense. I'm like an adult (laughs) and like, we should make more than that. So I was like, you know, ask for more money. And then she did and she was like, we only got like $200 more. I'm like, that's fine. As long as it's over a thousand, it just sounds better. So that's fine, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I don't, yeah, and yeah. I'm not like no, a money, think, it's not a money hungry thing. It's just a like no. respect. And like, I mean, I was going to say that exact thing. Like, this is something yeah. else that's come up a lot in our discussion is like respect and value. And how do you feel valued? Like I can do a show for free. And if I'm treated the right way, I feel like I've made a million dollars. 
and yeah. I can do a show where I made a million dollars. I've never done a show where I made a million dollars, but I can do a show where I'm making money. And if I'm under undervalued or disrespected, then I'm like, that was like, that cost me. Yeah, exactly. It costs yeah. you. I don't think it's because like, oh, I've been on TV, so I deserve all the things. I think it's just like, I'm getting older and the older I get, yeah. the less I'm willing to like devalue myself because it's like, they always lowball you. They always will try to get more out of you. Like I've had producers call me like for writing jobs and like offer me a job. And I'm like, why are you calling me? Call my manager because she's going to tell you you're playing with that weekly rate. And I, that's why you're calling me. Cause you think that I'm just going to say yes. It's about respect. Do you remember a moment where you're like, no more? It's so funny. Cause it's like, I feel like I don't, I just feel like, I don't know. I hit the, it's like, it's a wall. Like when you say hitting a wall, there's some, it is a little bit of hitting a wall of being like, why is that the number? That number sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of a sudden, <laughs> and like, it's like you hit these points in your career and your adulthood, I think, where you're like, no, that's not good. Like with with dating, yeah. with everything where you're like, I don't like that offer. Like you want to do all of the things that are a relationship, but you don't want me to call you my boyfriend. Fuck off. Get out of here. Like, yeah. whereas yeah. I used to be like, that's fine. I just like <laughs> you so much, you know, and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And like with I these jobs, it's like, yeah, like. It's a, it's respective value. I, I hear that. I think yeah. that, I don't know. I'm, I think that might be just a lesson I'm continually learning for every gig that I do. Yeah. I think it's, for, I think it is. And it's like, it is a gig by gig basis. And sometimes you will be like, like you said, like sometimes you'll be like, yeah, I'll work for free because this gig is amazing. And the people that I'm working for are super fun and great. And so then you do it. But then sometimes you're like, I know you have the money. Like if you're working with a massive, you know, pharmaceutical company or whatever, they have more money, you know, they can fly all of us out. They can put us all in this hotel. So that means they can throw down 500 more dollars for at, when yeah. they're asking us to do, you know, an added this or that. So I think it's yeah. also that of like, it's recognizing your own value and, and, and advocating for your, your value, which is hard to yeah. do, but once you do it and it's like, if they say no, or, you know, you lose the job, so what? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't really care. I mean, I think this is the tip of the iceberg for this kind of discussion. Like a friend of mine had to renegotiate a contract for herself. And that's another thing. Like when you have to go back to your agent, go, no, I'm not going to. And are you willing to walk away from a, like a series if yeah. they don't value your, your work and your, your, I don't know, your, your price. I don't have the answers around that, but I do think that there is a desperate need to have like a behind the curtains examination on contracts and prices and all that stuff. They never teach you how to do the business stuff. Like in theater no. school, I did not learn anything about money. You know, you don't learn about getting incorporated. No. You don't learn about, um, we used to what, do deductions and things like you don't learn about those types of things. And you don't learn about like, what does a standard voiceover contract look like? Because I didn't know. And I feel like they're not very good. <laughs> and so like, yeah. we should know that we should know if yeah. something is not good, but that's kind of what it is then that's okay. But it's like, what is it? You know, we don't know. We never know. Um, listen, I have too many more questions. This has to be like a six parter, but I have to wrap it up at some point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with turning the tables and you get to ask me a question. Oh yeah. Okay. So I have this game. It's called, we're not really strangers. It's like a little box game. Love it. I love and it. And it I has questions it. in it. And I was like, cause I don't, I don't know. I'm not good at thinking of stuff sometimes. <laughs> No. And so I was like, oh, I mean, just... you are, that's a lie. But yeah, yeah. I'll just You're like, I was like, You're I'll just look good. up a question. So I'm going to pick a card out of this box and okay, just ask you it. one of the questions on it. Is that cool? Okay. Perfect. Let's see. What question are you trying to answer most in your life right now? 
think it's about priorities. Like I do think that I'm, I'm really challenging myself to recognize what's, what's important to me right now. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's your question in your heart right now? I had lived in New York when I did the opposition. I lived in New York just recently for like last three months, just because I wanted to. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was so much happier there. And now I'm back in LA. And so I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go back to huh. New York. It's a big question because it's like, what's the priority? Like if I stay here, yeah. am I giving myself more opportunities? If I move away, am I taking away opportunities? But is it more worth it because of happiness? So that's kind yeah. of the question. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm totally totally where you're at yeah. yeah all right here's my wrap up my firecracker wrap up questions fill in the blank to me a firecracker is explosive and hot <laughs> love it what do you want to be best known for honestly being a person that people want to be around yeah that's a weird answer it. but it's like i just want to be like a Not person that people enjoy their energy and want to be around them a lot yeah I get it. If this is a movie, if your life was a movie, what has been like the climactic turning point where everything changed? I don't talk about it very much, but quitting drinking. It's not like I'm, I'm not like an AA or anything like that. It's not like it wasn't this big, like I needed to quit. I needed to, it wasn't like that. It was like, I just quit drinking. I was going to detox and I ended up being like, wow, detoxing feels fucking awesome. Let me just keep going until I don't feel like doing it anymore. And yeah. so far it's been three and a half years and I'm a completely different person than I was three and a half years ago. Completely huh. different. So that's what was the biggest thing that's changed for you when you said completely different? how I handle everything. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> like social interactions. I used to have a lot of social anxiety, so I would kind of cover that with drinking, but then I would go too far and embarrass myself and feel embarrassed the next day. Um, but also like disappointments, you know, relationships, I'm making way better decisions, relationships with my family, which has been huge. Yeah. Just like pretty much just relationships and the way I deal with things. And also the way I feel inside is a lot more settled, not to mention, mm -hmm. I've been like working out a lot more and I've lost weight and feel fit and like strong. Yeah. And I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been a, that was a huge climax. I reached a point where I was like, I was super hungover, had done a lot of like stupid, you know, things the night before. And I was like, I'm going to quit for two weeks. And then I, got a little app. And then once the app started counting, it never stopped. And it's that three years and six months now. And I'm just, I'm just Amazing. riding it out until I feel like maybe I'll drink again. But I like, so far have been like chilling. <laughs> and yeah, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like uh, the awareness of like your, your body, mind and spirit connected too. I think that's really yeah. Yeah. I think like even really... my family. Cause it's like, I used to get a lot more angry at everybody all the time. It's like, I'm not really like that anymore. And so, yeah, it's been really nice. And just like, you know, taking a break from <laughs> bad relationship decisions, because a lot of times you don't really realize like people seem more attractive when you're drinking, people seem more worth, <laughs> more worth it when you're drinking. And when you're not drinking, you're like, Oh, this ain't, this ain't worth it. I'm gonna go ahead and let him go away. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I love it. Um, what's something that people don't know about you? I don't know, more introverted than I seem. I know that's like weird, but whenever I tell people that they're always like shocked by it, but I think it's, you know, introversion is also about how you feel inside or about how you feel when you're out and like wanting to go home. <laughs> so I think uh -huh. it's a little bit of that of just like people that are, you know, loud and funny can also feel really fucking weird inside while they're being loud and funny too. And maybe that's a lot of times yeah. why they are being loud and funny. <laughs> What's been your favorite mistake and what did you learn from it? Like maybe like one of the last relationships I was in was a horrible mistake for both of us. And it was like, I have learned, 
I learned so much about myself from that, I think, in like a way like it, it takes sometimes it takes like a crush. I mean, obviously, sometimes it takes like a crushing mistake and, you know, a real struggle. And then you like come out of it when you're finally out of it. You're like, OK, I have learned a lot of lessons. And I, <laughs> you know, like I I feel like I have that between that, honestly, between that and like quitting drinking, I'm like, OK, I'm like a different person because I had yeah. to go through this like kind of like shitty experience with the wrong person and then now I'm like oh (laughs) well now I know a lot more about myself and like you know you grow up a certain way your you see relationships that your parents have and you that's what you learn and now I've learned how to not do that so yeah yeah that's fair yeah what's something that you haven't done yet but you know you have to do I just want to be in the world more I want to see more I want to I want to do more things that are for me as opposed to for a goal for work, you know, like I'm learning mm-hmm. the value of that. And I hadn't really realized that until recently. So I'd like to travel more, um, just see more things, take more breaks. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the best piece of advice or the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Uh, I almost always say the same thing because my friend said this to me years ago, I was watching I worked at Steppenwolf in Chicago, a theater, mm-hmm. and I was watching a play and I was like, it was like the crucible. And I was like, oh, I just want to be that, those girls, like I could do that. Like, why can't I just be up there? Like, I was really like, you know, yeah. and he said, don't get jealous, just work harder. And I was like, damn, that's smart. Because, <laughs> you know, like if you waste all your time being jealous of other people or not being happy for their success or whatever it is, you're just, it's just ugly inside. And it's just like hurting you more than it is them, of course. And so I stopped being jealous of other people doing well and I just started working harder. And now I have my own path, my own things. I don't log on to Instagram and feel bad about myself because I'm like, whatever, that's their thing. And I'm just working on my thing over here. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Love it. Um, Mm -hmm. Who's a firecracker in your world that you want to shout out or give a little light on? I mean, Maya Rudolph is one of them. I just love her. I know she's famous, but I just love her. Well, she was incredible and watching her work was incredible. And then just like, she gave me a hug and said it was like a dream working with me. And I was like, it was a dream working with you. Like, it was just like, she's one of those people that when you meet them, they're almost like better than what you had hoped for. Mm. And also just like in general, I worked with her, Amy Poehler and Andy Samberg on one show and just seeing, I know that Andy's a man, but he's still a firecracker because seeing how they work with writers and with just everybody on set and they were just really lovely, easy people to be around. They felt like friends and like, I just really enjoyed working with them. So what do you think it was? What do you think it was that they brought it's almost like SNL second city energy. It felt like Mm -hmm. because it's like just Mm -hmm. doing bits and chilling and not everybody's on the same level. We're all collaborators together. It didn't feel like, like it was literally like Andy and I would be like talking shit about music or whatever. And then he's like, goes out and does his thing and he's in front of the camera, but it's like, it never, and then he would, you know, he looks at you and goes, was that good? Is that what you wanted? And it's like, yes, that's what I wanted. You're a fucking genius. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's just one of those things where they felt like, it felt like a collab. And I I love that feeling. And I think that they kind of like reinvigorated working with them and just working with everybody on that show. Cause there's like a producer on it. This is another person to shout out. Her name's Nicole Yaron. She's um, she produced like the voice making it. She produced like this other reality show that I wrote on hot dog, but it's like, she's just like a lovely energy. And it's the same thing yeah. of where 
they res- she respects my opinion and like yeah what I do and like she'll tell you that she respects you she'll tell you she loves what you did she'll take your ideas and like really use them and and watching her work and you know knowing how honestly like how powerful she is and then seeing how chill she is at the same time is like really inspiring and fun so, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a really oh, great experience I love that mm-hmm. final question is what would the advice be to a younger Nicole. It would be something like get out of your own way. <laughs> like you're going to be okay. So get out of your own way is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, because I think I was always so worried that I was going to fail or go broke or not be able to do what I want to do. And then it never didn't work out. It always worked out. It always mm-hmm. does. And so it was yeah. kind of like, you're going to be okay. So just get out of your own way. Stop worrying about everything. Like even with just like lately with this, this move that I'm considering to New York, my friend called yeah. me the other day and was like, stop living in fear. Just pack your shit up, come to New York. Even yeah. if it's for just a year, you know, you're a million times happier here. I saw you, you are happier in New York. So, you know, it's like that thing of like, I worry so much about like, what's it going to be like? And it's like, stop yeah. worrying about what it's, what's going to be like, and just kind of like go with it and be and get out of your own way stop preventing yourself from making moves yeah yeah i love it oh this has been such a treat i'm i just uh yeah it's it's great i always feel like going into these conversations the producer winnie's like okay so nicole's coming up and you're gonna chat on monday and i just know that whatever we talk about is something i need to talk about for that day and it's totally been that way it's been a real treat i think you're so fucking funny and thoughtful and um i hope our paths will cross again and again me too yeah this is so great thank you for having me on and i totally agree with you where it's like even speaking about priorities so much it's like it's nice to have that come up and then to remind yourself like yes this is what i'm focusing on right now is my priorities and like what matters yeah 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 it's so interesting i think yeah and you just said so many things that resonated with like my own brain and even like the la versus new york like we we moved out of la now and like what do we want to do? Like, I've never not seen my future as unclearly as I do right now. Like, I have no idea. And um, it's crossroads. It's a lot of people are at crossroads. Yes, a lot of people are at crossroads. And I'm the same way because, like, normally it would be really easy for me to decide kind of based off of yeah. work because I do everything based off of work. But right now, yeah. I don't got no work. And so I could literally go yeah. anywhere. And I also could, I worked when I was in, I worked in LA when I was in New York. So it's like, I can, we yeah. can do it now. But now sometimes with that, like how everything's so nebulous and can be done anywhere, sometimes it, it can be overwhelming, but it's like yeah, a, a path hopefully will reveal itself to all of us. And then we'll be like, okay, good. I'll just do that. It doesn't need to necessarily be because of a job, but like, hopefully just in general, we'll be like, this is what makes me happy. I'm just going to do it. Cause that's yeah. what I feel like the pandemic taught a lot of people, but anyway, yes. Yeah. Follow, follow the bliss for yes. sure. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for Thank spending you. some time with me. I honestly, Thank I could have talked to you another hour and a half. Like this has been so lovely. And uh, I hope next time we're in the same city, we can catch up over some sort of something. Coffee, yes, tea. Please. Yes, please. I would love that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Keep in touch. Let me know if you're doing anything that, uh, I don't know that, that we can support over in this corner. We'd love to do yeah. like, just, you know, I will we're behind Thank you. you so much. Okay. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much. She's just the best. She's just a true person. You can see the journey she's on. She shares it with us. And I just, 
I love that. I'm so honored that these conversations can happen and that people sort of, you know, take off their shoes, let their hair down and just, you know, just be themselves. And I just feel like that's just Nicole. She's just a real true person. And I love our discussion about, you know, honoring our worth and making sure that we're getting paid for what we deserve and priorities. I love all that stuff. I think more and more, you know, when people recognize their value as far as, you know, giving quotes for what your time is worth, it's really important to get the support of your community. I think that whole discussion was just so interesting. Now, to get the latest Nicole updates, you can follow her socials at Nicole with two C's, Thurman, all one word, or head over to her website, NicoleThurman.com. And when you're done listening to this podcast, and you've also listened to Laura Hall's podcast, because another one of my faves have listened to Nicole's podcast, The Scroll Down, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't you worry. We're going to show you all of those things in our show notes. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know there's a bunch of podcasts out there and I sure love that you're listening to ours. So let me know what you think about it. Let me know what struck a chord for you in my discussion with Nicole. Firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. And I'm Naomi and I'm going to see you next time on the Firecracker Department. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong eight on Twitter. This episode is edited by Shane Stoltz. You can follow them at Shane Stoltz, all one word, and Shane with a Y. This intro was written by the one and only wonderful Winnie Wong. That's right, she's a triple W. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com about because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. Now, whether you're a first time or a long time listener to the Firecracker Department, we always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you. Yeah, you. Sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time.